1: I'm Gregory Patrick for AM 860 The Answer.
2: Good morning. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. We're doing a radio show this morning. I got Ken back by my side. I had Joe last week. Everybody loves Joe, but he is a chatty one, isn't he? Boy I can talk and talk
3: and talk. He's a very smart man. I think he's a genius, to tell you the truth.
2: He, uh, organizationally, he is. I don't know how he keeps that radio station running. Oh my neither, God. neither do I, man. I mean, he's there like day and night. I think he lives about a half a block away and has a has a, a bridge that he, he built for himself to get there. <laughs> I, got a t- I think he dug a tunnel. He dug a tunnel, yeah, and he burrows right in. <laughs> any rate, uh, it's good to have you back, and I hope everybody had a good Father's Day. And Juneteenth, don't forget about Juneteenth. That was, what, last Monday, huh?
3: Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's, now, now that we have a new federal holiday now.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh boy, another day off. That's so, right. <laughs> you know, for other folks, they get a day off. So, uh, so Ken was asking me about this new immunotherapy that uh, cured, I think, up to 14 people with rectal cancer and uh, rectal cancer is relatively easy to treat if you catch it early but this immunotherapy is is remarkable because it doesn't require any chemotherapy and it doesn't require any radiation Uh, we usually use chemo and then external beam radiation or vice versa i forget how the oncologists do it but you know rectal cancer used to be a fatal disease And now with this immunotherapy, apparently they have monoclonal antibodies. I'm just guessing at this because I haven't seen or read the paper yet, Ken. But I'm guessing that these antibodies are directed at the abnormal tumor cells, and there's a genetic defect that now can be screened for that that makes you susceptible to rectal cancers. Uh, and and that's, that's not new. We've, we've known that there are genetic defects uh, that predispose to a number of cancers over the years. So we're, we're not making any great uh, breaking news there. But the fact that we were able to make a monoclonal antibody in the lab that will directly attack these cancer cells uh, that are genetically defective, uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, buddy.
3: And it may have uh, ramifications for other cancers as well, I would think, down the line.
2: Well, yeah, well, you know, the whole monoclonal antibody therapy and the immunotherapies, the biologics, they're, they're changing medicine. I mean, look at my migraines. I'm, I'm taking medications that uh, a monoclonal antibody injection once a month that targets the receptor sites for the uh, calcitonin uh, gene-like uh, protein that uh, apparently, it's not calcitonin, it's a calcitonin gene-like uh, chemical that attaches to the lining of the brain and and triggers the migraine headaches and so if you block that uh site from from the ability for that protein to attach or you attach something to that protein that has it removed from the system you know you've done a a a great service to migraineurs people with migraine headaches and we're using it in, in a host of things uh we had a lady, she just passed away recently uh, in the practice. I diagnosed her two and a half years ago with, um, with acute myelocytic leukemia, which is an adult form of, of uh, leukemia that's almost uniformly fatal, and uh, she was expected to last a year, and uh, we kept her going for t- two and a half years, Ken, because of uh, immunotherapies, uh, new, new therapies that are out, so there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope. And, uh, I had a patient come back to me, uh, last week. She said she had been diagnosed with, uh, cancer of the lung. And I said, I didn't know you were a smoker. She said, I'm not, and maybe I smoked, you know, for a year or two when I was a teenager, but that was it. And of course she'll have some genetic predisposition. And she said, I came back because I wanted to, to die with you, Dr. Bill, because your, your humor and your, you know, your upbeat and all that. I, I want to go laughing. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I appreciate that, but we also want to keep you alive because you never know what immunotherapies are coming down the pike that might cure
3: you. So there's more hope than ever, Ken. More yep. hope than ever. Of course, that 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 raises other questions. If we're all living to 150, uh, Social well, Security's not going to make it, you know?
2: Well, then we'll just have to cannibalize small children. <laughs> <laughs>
3: then and also yes. this rectal cancer study uh, concerns me it was so small that it was 14 people that's pretty small for a study yeah, like start that they
2: started off with 4 and then i think they expanded it to 14 but the amazing thing is that all of them all of them were cured so that that's unusual for even a small study so this this study will expand and uh, we'll see what happens it should be uh, it should be very hopeful for people with colon cancer because rectal cancers or squamous cell and colon cancers are Uh, they're a different type of cancer. Uh, Generally, they're adenocarcinomas, which are more like glandular tissue. But if we can identify the genetic defect in uh, squamous cell rectal cancers, maybe we can do it next with the uh, adenocarcinomas in the colon. Pretty cool.
3: Fascinating stuff. Yeah.
2: And uh, colon cancer is still one of the big killers. Of course, lung cancer stays at the top, especially in bad little boys who smoke
3: (laughs) you got anybody (laughs) in mind on that one doc no no, ken (laughs) nobody i can see (laughs) nobody you talk to over and over again at the office okay good yeah
2: yeah yeah well but i do talk to someone on the radio every week that tends to keep my interest in that (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying doc i'm trying I know you keep at it, buddy. I'm not. I'm not giving up on you yet. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> but remember, if it wasn't for tobacco and alcohol, I probably wouldn't be making a living. You know.
3: <laughs> so, you need those vices. That's right. I need vices, dude. I you know, give them up, but don't do it all at once, everybody. <laughs> well, I don't drink. I'm not a drinker, so that's. I got that going for me. My liver should be good. So. uh Detroit
2: three-year-old found dead in freezer, and uh, apparently Child Protective Services were called to the home over a dozen times, and the family wouldn't let him in. Uh, the child apparently had been in the freezer for a while because it was uh, starting to decompose.
3: So, I thought those all had all had uh, uh, ways to just push it and you get out. I thought, I thought the days of being trapped in freezers and refrigerators were gone.
2: I think they killed him and then put him
3: in there. Ah, okay. Now I'm getting the picture here. I thought he got trapped in there.
2: Which goes back to what I've been saying about we need to identify uh, early when uh, these kids come to pre-K who's going to be the sociopaths and have the major uh, psychiatric problems, and let's start intervening in those homes now so we don't have these boys going out and mass murdering and we don't have these girls Uh, going out and having a bunch of babies and then abusing them. So then they make mass murderers. So we need to get in there early. Uh, I'm glad to see that this new gun bill has some uh, money for mental health, but I'm not quite sure how that will be directed. They need to talk to me before they spend any money so we can set this up appropriately, but I don't think that's going to happen, Ken.
3: They should talk to the two of us before they spend any money at all on anything. Uh, That's true.
2: Then we had an Arizona homeowner fatally shoot two intruders out on his front yard, and the neighbors say he was defending himself. It was self-defense, so he's probably going to get out of that one.
3: Oh, I've I've seen a couple of the stories like this. I know a few weeks ago I was reading a story about an 80-year-old woman. Somebody broke into her house, and she shot him dead. There you go. Yeah. There you go, my friend.
2: All right, so we had a lot of— a lot of action this week and last week at the Supreme Court and then a lot of riots going on. I know everybody's sick of hearing about it, but, you know, the big to-do is over the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment, let me give you a little history. After slavery uh, was abolished uh, by the Emancipation Proclamation, essentially an executive order, which really didn't hold water because the president can't change the Constitution, and the Constitution did not specifically outlaw uh, slavery or indentured servitude, Uh, Lincoln started petitioning the the Congress and the states to uh, enact the 13th Amendment, which uh, abolished slavery and indentured servitude in the United States, and that was passed, and he barely got that through by the skin of his teeth. Uh, He was quite a politician and quite a wheeler-dealer. You know, we think of him as this, uh, really honorable, glorious figure that sits on on a high chair at the end of the, uh, reflecting pool opposite the Capitol. But he was, uh, he was quite a, um, uh, a wheeler dealer. He was a heck of a lawyer too. He cut his teeth traveling all over the Midwest. What is Midwest to us now? That was the West then Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky, uh, trying cases, all kinds of cases. And, uh, he, uh, he he really learned his trade well, and he knew how to handle people, did a good job. He got it through. Well, after the 13th Amendment came along, then everybody said, well, wait a minute. The the, the amendments apply to the, to the Federals only. It doesn't apply necessarily to the states unless the states are specifically named in it. And so how are we going to enforce this? I mean, we can free the slaves, but then will they have any rights? And so that became a, a battle cry. And so in 1868, we passed the 14th Amendment, which said that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge, abridge means, uh, you know, cut into the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So this expanded the federal government's control over the states and gave the federal government uh, the ability to step in and say, look, this is a federal law, and you're going to have to implement it in your state, and your state laws have to come into conformity with certain federal laws. And so these have been the big debates, Ken, over the past uh, 150 years is how much power does the federal government have in in, – overriding the states and what rights do the states retain because part of the constitution the bill of rights says that those those uh powers that were not enumerated in the constitution for the federal government belong to the state so we've got this battle going on state versus federal not new not new now in the 19th century there there was a, a lot of fighting over this of course and uh, there was uh, the courts were trying to define what the federal and what the state powers were, and the idea of uh, the states being semi-independent uh, was called into question and continues to be called into question. And that's why these people are all upset about the about the uh, overturning Roe versus Wade because they saw the federal government stepping in and saying to the states, "You cannot." Uh, implement laws which prohibit abortion uh, because of the 14th amendment and so now the court says well wait a minute the constitution and the bill of rights does not enumerate that as a right and so then the other side is pushing back and saying well don't we have a right to our own bodies to our our liberties uh, our, our happiness our own decisions and and so we can see how the debate is going but uh Then we get into the debate of, uh, as you had pointed out in the past, is when does life begin? Right. Is a a fertilized uh, uh, ovum egg, is is that alive? Is it a living organism? Well, of course, the people on the left are going to say, no, it's a parasite. Well, when the baby's born, Ken, and you're nursing the baby, isn't that a parasite
3: still? Good point. I hadn't thought of it like that.
2: And and are we not parasites on uh, other animals and plants? We have to have uh, calories and protein and fat and carbohydrates to live. Where do we get those? We don't get them from rocks.
3: That's so, very I mean, true.
2: Basically, and then there's organisms inside of us. There's a there's a microorganisms, bacteria that live in our mouth, in our gut, on our skin. They're parasites on us.
3: Well, I'm gonna take so, a shower. <laughs> <laughs>
2: make it a cold one dude <laughs> don't forget to take your cigarettes out of your top pocket <laughs> oh
3: always
2: <laughs> so uh, you know, the whole idea of uh of there being a, a parasitic relationship between mother and embryo or fetus or child is uh is really biologically flawed because in some sense or another we're all parasites we're all parasites on each other, and so the the uh, central idea of a natural law of God, uh, which has come to us down through—from the Greeks forward, really, down through—and probably the Egyptians before that in the Western uh, culture—has uh, seen us as beings that have reason because we were made in the image of God, if you believe in a God. And St. Thomas Aquinas, he argued this in his famous papers— but let's let's get away from God. Let's let God work his side of the street. You know, he can have the metaphysical side. Let's look at the physical, Ken. And what is what is the physi- physiologic definition of life? Uh, and this is from the Britannica. Life is defined as any system capable of performing functions such as eating, metabolizing, excreting, breathing, moving, growing, reproducing, and responding to external stimuli. There's no way you can tell me that a fertilized ovum doesn't have some of that ability, Ken. There's just no way. I mean, it it is an entity that is responding to its environment. It's feeding. It's uh, replicating. It's dividing and making more cells for itself and growing. And uh, I think that as a a physiologic fact, that is a living organism. Now, you say, well, what about a virus? Well, a virus can't do that unless it's, parasitic in in another uh in in another cell and it's not a virus in a cell but it has to be inside of a living cell in order to take advantage of that cell's reproductive abilities to reproduce itself so it's kind of a proto-life and the same with these prions which are uh, small pieces of uh, pre-genetic material that can get into the brains of people and and cause things like mad cow disease and uh, uh Uh, multiple sclerosis and different, different diseases like that. And uh, these are not quote, unquote living organisms, but once they get inside of the cell, they can manipulate it to do what they want to a certain extent.
3: But an embryo has its own um, system. I mean, it's, it's ready to go. It's dividing. Once those cells start to divide, you are a life.
2: Yeah. You're it's a living being and it doesn't have anything to do with God. It doesn't have anything to do with religion. It has to do with uh, uh, physical, uh, biological, chemical law. I mean, it's just, what are you going to do, deny the law of gravity? Well, I mean, you can jump as hard as you want. <laughs> you, you might get a you know, with a trampoline, you might get eight or ten feet up there. But, dude, you're coming back down. Now, that doesn't mean you can't uh, escape it. Look, Ken, you can build a rocket ship. Elon Musk has built several. And he can escape Pretty much the gravitational pull of the Earth. He can get a ship out there and he can set up his satellites. Eventually, though, they'll be pulled back in. You know, over hundreds of years. Not so if you get out
3: far enough. We've got a telescope sitting out a million miles away from here right now, taking pictures. So.
2: Yeah, and even even if you're out between galaxies, you're still subject to that faint, faint, faint uh, uh, pull of gravity from from the two galaxies that you're between. So you you can't completely escape gravity. You can you can uh you can move against it. You can use energy and force, but you, you can't you can't deny it. You know, you can't say it doesn't exist. Or I'm not going to uh I'm not
3: going to obey the laws of gravity. Yeah, you are. <laughs> God, you, 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 st- have a- you step off the top of a building, you'll find out real fast. That's
2: right. And that's why uh I try not to do that too often but <laughs> occasionally I go down, <laughs> but uh, look uh, it it just doesn't make any sense that uh, people say, well, we can define life at different periods uh, and, and and Louisiana says life starts at at, at inception, and uh, California says well, now it doesn't start until the kids weaned. I mean this is nonsense I, it, how can you have? such a broad spectrum of the definition of when a person is a living human being when we can see with the ultrasound as dr nathanson pointed out uh, in the 1970s he he was the pro-abortion guy the women's rights guy that led the movement and they made up all kinds of lies which he revealed in the book he wrote after he became a, a right to lifer and you know why he did ken because of the ultrasound machine. The ultrasound came in and he started looking at these little fetuses and embryos and saying, wait a minute, <laughs> these are living things. Yeah, they are. They're alive. What are you going to do? Deny that? So You can see the heart beating. You can see the heart beating. You can see the blood moving. You can see it wiggling around. You can see that you can watch it. Once we get the, the the imaging down, Pat, you can actually watch these little critters dividing and multiplying and and going from a little ball into something that looks like you and me.
3: Well, not me, because I'm old and ugly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now, once that baby starts kicking, you know you got somebody inside you.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if you look at this from a genetic point of view, a fertilized ovum has all the genetic material that you and I have. All of it. I mean, there's no more added or, or, or taken away unless we go in there and manipulate it. So, and Darwin, who wrote his famous uh, work on the origin of the species, he said, look, there's genetic mutations that happen, and that's why we have uh, people that are different. That's why we have people with genetic diseases. It's also why we have people that are getting smarter. And uh, believe it or not, the geneticists have shown that we are gradually breeding out the stupid genes.
3: Not fast enough, was, though. Not fast enough. <laughs> not fast enough for <laughs> I still see a lot of stupid out there. <laughs> well,
2: I think you have to differentiate between ignorance and stupid and uh, uh, cultural uh, enculturation and cultural values and morals, which change from time to time. I mean – come on, people at the beginning of the 14th century thought that uh, the plague was, if you got sick, it was because you had been evil and God was punishing you. And then after the plague hit in the 1450s and uh, 1350s and 60s, the kids started saying, wait a minute, clergy died, nuns died, uh, the royalty died, good people died, bad people died. This doesn't have anything to do with God. This has, has something to do with the ether or the nature of things. And you know, the doctors realized that, you know, those, those uh, suits they wore with the big long beaks on it that looked like birds. Yes. Those were actually uh, attempts at uh, uh, mask so that you wouldn't inhale the, the, uh, the organism into your lungs and get it. They didn't realize at that time that it was being spread primarily by fleas uh, and that the bite of the flea was injecting the uh, bacteria into your system. But but the doctors actually knew this wasn't an act of God. This is something in nature. Of course, nobody
3: listens to us doctors. You know, we tell people don't smoke, and they just keep on. <laughs> <doing it. laughs> I know. You can even print it on a box, and people will do it. I I, I know. That's so called I, addiction. Uh,
2: yes, it is. And speaking of addiction, I got this out of a dictionary that the laws in science, like Newton's first law of motion, you know, a thing at rest will stay at rest, and if you kick it and there's no nothing, no gravity or no friction to stop it, it'll keep going eternally unless it bumps into something. And then Newton's second law said that, uh, that uh, the time rate of change of the momentum of a body is equal in both magnitude and direction to the force imposed on it. What's that mean? That means that if you're going 50 miles an hour and you step on the gas, and, and put more power into your system, you're going to accelerate. You're going to accelerate in that that acceleration rate is going to be equal to uh, the direction you're going in and how much uh, gas you put into the system. And then we've got gravitational laws. We've got laws of conservation of mass and energy that Einstein uh, uh, clarified for us. It, it, they cannot be, be uh, created or destroyed. So we've got laws here.
3: I think Newton's third law was uh, speed limits should be eighty miles an hour on all interstates.
2: That was Newton's. Yeah, that was th- that his that was third, his third
3: law. Th- I think. Yeah, it was. I think it was his fourth. <laughs> after he got busted.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. After he got busted doing eighty-five. <laughs> <laughs> so, good luck, gravi- uh, defying gravitation. I mean, I I, I think that that's. Uh, just ridiculous. And do we really want a law that uh, says that that you can do what you want with your body? I mean, come on, you can't. I can't. Men have to go to war if there's a war and they're called. You know, we have to work. We can't do what we want with our bodies. I don't want to go to work every day and, and slave away. But the Community, the, the country needs me. I mean, it's paid to train me, and I agreed to take on the role of a doctor. And the country put a lot of time and money into me. You know, uh, the residencies are all funded by Medicare. Did you know that? I did not know that. And a lot of the medical school money comes from the federal government and federal grants and state money. So society has trained me, and they expect me to give something back. And I, I have that duty and responsibility. And uh, in some cultures, if you don't, you know what? You'll go to prison. In some cultures, you have to give up two or three years of your life to to perform public service, which is something that we should be doing here. Well, in Israeli,
3: everybody, all the men anyway, have to be in the Army. I don't know about the women, but they have to do some time in the Army.
2: Well, yeah, in South Korea, all the men have to be in the Army, too. All the young guys go in the Army. And they have one of the largest standing armies in the world.
3: Because <laughs> they can't make any money outside the Army, that's so at any rate,
2: so come on, do we want a civil war over whether or not the law of gravity is real? <laughs> I mean, you know, do we really want to have a civil war over whether or not life begins at 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 uh, in conception, or 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 whether it begins when the kid's breast weaned from the breast? Uh, this this is just nonsense. Well, it's, you uh, know, the
3: the, uh, the Constitution has been twisted in in uh, several ways. If you take a look at church separation of church and state, it was never meant to keep the church out of the state it was meant to keep the state out of the church and it was meant at the federal level until right. the 14th amendment came
2: along so the states could do uh, could have uh, you know the word god and and christian symbols in their in their flags and their emblems if they wanted and, you know the majority of the states did not some of the local districts did and like i said last week to land florida they've got a christian symbol in their uh, seal And uh, some group came after them about 10 years ago, and they gave them the bird. And so that group went away and started pestering somebody else. But you have the right to express your opinion uh, within the confines of the law. And uh, if part of that is that you believe in God and you want to say that, you can say that. And if you're on the city council and you want to have a prayer before a meeting— there's nothing
3: in the in the Constitution that prohibits that, Ken. Come on. Yeah, somebody's upset because a coach wanted to have a prayer on the field before a game? What is that about? By himself. By himself. Oh, was it just by himself? I didn't realize by that.
2: Himself. He went out and knelt in the middle of the field, and nobody could hear what he was saying, and he prayed. What's wrong with that? I don't know. He could have been out there, you know, taking a leap for all we know.
3: <laughs> now that I would have had a problem with.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, but
3: as long as he didn't expose himself, I don't care. Go find an outhouse, guy. <laughs> so, I, I, hey, Doc, I, we're getting close to the news. It's time for a question. Oh, we got a question. We got a question this week, absolutely. This is for two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. He will mail those out to you personally. If you're the first caller at 877-969-8600 to answer this question. And of course, the question always deals with something we talked about in the first half of the show. So if you've been listening since the beginning, you should know. It should be easy for you. Again, that number 877-969-8600, first person to come up with the right answer, wins the coffee mugs. And uh, the the question today deals with a, a new study that took place where everybody in the study was cured of what they were trying to cure them of with this new medicine. Tell me it was a cancer. Tell me what kind of cancer they were trying to get rid of in these folks. Again, what kind of cancer were they trying to get rid of in these folks? First person with the correct answer wins at 877 yeah, 969 some. You're
2: going to grab a cup of joe. And by the way, it's a lot of work getting those mugs out to you guys, so you better appreciate them and use them every
3: day. <laughs> My wife all uses right. hers all the time.
2: There you go. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill. Got Ken by my side.
3: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. President Biden is praising the global alliance confronting Russia over its war in Ukraine today. Mr. Biden says the coalition of countries must, quote, stay together. He says Russian President Vladimir Putin thought he could play the countries off one against another and break down their resolve, but the coalition has not splintered. Mr. Biden commented during a meeting with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz before leaders of the group of seven top economic uh, countries opened their annual summit in Germany today. Leaders of French energy giants urging the French public to immediately cut consumption of fuel, oil, electricity and gas amid shortages and soaring prices due to Russia's supply cuts to Europe. And Norway's Prime Minister and members of the royal family joined mourners today at a memorial service in Oslo Cathedral for the victims of a shooting in the capital's nightlife district. This is SRN.
1: Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000.
0: As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And on the Jenna Ellis podcast, she tackles the big cultural and legal issues facing America. Don't miss a single episode of the Jenna Ellis Show. Follow today at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. AM 860 The Answer. Online at TheAnswerTampa.com Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast.
1: Times of sunshine and clouds for today with a thunderstorm or two in the afternoon and a high 92. Partly cloudy tonight with a low 77 and a spotty thunderstorm Monday with a high 92. Plan with confidence. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather Forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer.
2: And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. your Radio MD
3: and we're doing the second half of the show here. Are you with me, Ken? I certainly am, sir. We got a winner.
2: We got a winner. All right.
3: Uh, we have uh, two mugs, two mugs going out to. Uh, just want me to use her first name, Francis. So congratulations, Francis, down in Sun City Center. You are the winner. You have won uh, two Doctor Bill, your radio MD mugs for answering today's question. And the correct answer was rectal cancer. That was the cancer we were trying to. We were talking about. Were they having ph- phenomenal success at curing in the test that they did? So congratulations, to Francis, and thanks to everybody who tried to uh, call in today.
2: Yeah, that's a great thing, isn't it? That we can do this and uh, share our 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 really cool mugs with people. And Francis, thanks for listening. Um, We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody out there. By the way, Barry Yi, one of my friends over in China, she uh, posted something to Facebook that she enjoyed one of my shows. So (laughs) uh, our president or our former president of our homeowners association, J.T. Um, he's always teasing me. He said, well, go and do your show because I'm sure those two people in the audience are waiting for you breathlessly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at any rate, <clears throat> so I'm still trying to work out the terms of surrender with uh, the the with the little Korean. But uh, it, should it be an armed conflict or not?
3: Ken? No, 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 no.
2: OK, well, you know, the, the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Uh, The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, should I consider myself a free state, or am I actually a a captured
3: prisoner? When it comes to her? I'm a prisoner. You're a prisoner. That's right. Uh, Okay, so I give up. You gave up that right when you said I do. That's right. Or I don't. Or I will. (laughs) Now you have to. (laughs) I can't. I got to.
2: (laughs) So the Second Amendment, you know, this has come up, uh, what, last week over this New York thing where the court said that New York did not have the right to uh, determine who can and who cannot have a, a, a carry permit within the limits of their then existing law. And I guess i will have to rewrite it uh, to make it more palatable to this, to this Supreme Court. But the Second Amendment protects the individual right. Uh, this is out of, uh, out of Wikipedia to keep and bear arms. And the concept of a right existed within English common law, as far back as 1689. Did you know that? I did not. It's the the English Civil War was in the uh, 1640s and 50s, and that's when the Puritans, uh, with uh, Cromwell as their leader, uh, took over and they were anti-royalist. And then so the royalist uh, and the Puritans fought each other. Now, it was also a religious war, Ken, because the Puritans were considered low church and the royalists were... They were Anglicans, and they were considered high church, so they thought of themselves as uh, uh, pure Christians, closer to, to the original Catholicism, uh, but uh, with their own way of doing things. So that was part of the rub, and so after that, there were a lot of changes. Uh, the, the crown lost some of its, uh, uh, some of its power. Uh, there were more rights implemented in the English Bill of Rights in 1689, but guess what? You could only own a gun if you were a Protestant. <laughs> if you were a Catholic, you couldn't own a gun. <laughs> so, uh, but these things have expanded. And in the original uh, Bill of Rights, uh, Second Amendment, when when it was enacted, most states had laws that said that if you were in, in the South, if you were black, you couldn't own a gun. So, things have changed, and they've expanded. And the courts have been uh, much more liberal in their interpretation of the Second Amendment. But the, uh, the idea was that uh, in, in terms of forming militias rapidly, that we would be able to defend ourselves against uh, foreign invaders uh, and also against an overly int- obtrusive federal government. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, look. The federal government's really not that obtrusive, and we have the election process. You're one of these election guys, Ken.
3: Mm, I've heard and, yeah.
2: yeah and, uh, and that if you don't like it, then you can go out and get your team to go out and vote and change it. Uh, you don't have to fight with the federal government uh, on every issue. Well, that may be true to a certain extent, but uh, it, it does happen from time to time that governments become uh, totalitarian. I mean, look at Germany. They voted in democratically. They voted in Hitler. And then uh, within four or five years, he was a dictator. So these things can happen. And uh, I think we can see that with the uh, social uh, socio-fascists that we have in, in power now, that they want to dictate to us not only uh taxes and traffic laws, but also how we live our lives. So I think that there is a place for it. And the next argument people make is that, look, you cannot resist a a federal army with your assault rifles. First of all, militia are notoriously uh, unreliable. And and Washington figured this out early on in the Revolutionary War because they run away, you know. Or they wouldn't stay for their service. They'd agree, okay, we'll come for a year, and then they'd say, well, I got to go home and and you know plow the fields or bring in the crops, and I'll be back. And they may or may not have come back. So militia are notoriously unreliable, and that's why we have a strong federal army. Uh, and of course, forming a militia in a hurry is not easy in this day of rapid warfare. And so people say, well, you can't you can't fight the federal government, and even if you have. 100,000 guys in your state with guns, they're still going to wipe you out. Let me remind you of what people were saying when the Russians massed on the Ukrainian border. Ukraine can't resist Russia. You know what? Ukraine can resist Russia, and they can get help from outside. And the same thing can happen in the states. And during the Civil War here, the southern states initially were getting help from Great Britain. And the guns that they had were, were British uh, firearms, a lot of that. Uh, so things are not always as they seem. Milk can masquerade as cream. And the ability to stand up to the government and say, no, we're not going to do that, uh, is inherent in our, in our national DNA. And uh, we, we're not going to give that up easily. We want that right. That, that should be our right. That's that's part of the rights of uh, men and women everywhere, in my opinion.
3: Um, and, and unfortunately, in this day and age, you have to protect yourself at all times. I mean, we're ta- I'm not talking just about an intruder in your home. I'm just talking about walking down the street.
2: I, well, I agree. And uh, you, you can see that especially in, in, in some of the big cities. But, uh, hey, surprisingly, you know what state has the highest murder rate?
3: I do not know at the current time.
2: Louisiana. Really? And I can tell you from firsthand experience, I agree 100 percent with the statistics that the FBI have pulled together on that. I couldn't believe what I, I spent one month in the, in the emergency room, in the accident room at Charity in New Orleans, which is, you know, like murder capital USA. But they underreport their statistics. So because it had ruined the uh, the tourism industry and, you know, New Orleans depends on tourism so uh but we saw murders left and right, left
3: and right. It was just unbelievable. Well the uh, the um the um what, what Citadel, was Citadel who just announced you know they, they're a 30 billion dollar company. They're they're leaving Chicago because the employees were complaining it's just too violent to live here. So they're coming to Miami. Well yeah, of course. And
2: and Florida has a fairly low murder rate, believe it or not. Fairly low. We're not the lowest in the country, but we're we're uh, we're in the probably in the lower, uh, tw- you know, we're in the twenty percent lower twenty percent in terms of murder rate.
3: Well, it's the and, mental health it, aspect that we got to keep an eye on, I think. And, and you know, the,
2: the, this whole argument of uh, assault rifles and uh, multiple round clips and all that can, you know, there's I think in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen there were like. 30 or 35 mass murders from guns, from rifles. Now, in the, the debate is, what is a mass murder? Well, the FBI says any any uh, anybody who picks up a gun and threatens to kill a bunch of people, that's a mass murder, whether he gets away with it or not. Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? But still, you know, we're talking, what, 30, 35 people? I mean, I, I'm sorry. I know that that if you were one of the people that lost a loved one, you're not going to be happy hearing this and you're, you're going to want some uh, some way to, uh, to moderate your grief and to ensure that it won't happen in the future to other people. But I think in a society like ours, that's not going to happen. You know, the Second Amendment's not going away, Ken. It is not going away. And if you look at that, let's say there's 340 million people in the United States and 34 people are killed by assault rifles a year. What percentage of... The population is that it's not, 1%. It's well, not it's one percent.
3: Well, it's the th- it's the high profile cases that the media grabs onto. Unfortunately, like the schools and things like yeah. that. Yeah.
2: And it's not one tenth of one percent. It's not one one hundredth of one percent. It's not one one thousandth of one percent. It's one ten thousandth of one percent of the population. Is that going to is that going to uh, bring the democracy down? I don't think so.
3: I don't think so. Did you answer that phone, Ken? Um, I, I can if you want. You want to take a call? <laughs> <laughs> Should we just blindly take a call, see who's there? Well, if you want to, go Why ahead. Not? I'll keep Let's... talking until you have something for
2: me. I'm feeling
3: lucky. Let's see, caller. Hi, you're on the air. So don't say anything bad. Who we got here? I'm the third person listening to you. It's the captain. <laughs> it's the captain. <laughs> Oh God! I got to straighten
2: this guy out for a minute. A mass murder, according to the FBI, is four people or more. Well, that's not true anymore. They're changing it under the Democrats. Uh, That's how it got changed.
3: (laughs) At one time it was six. Now it's four.
2: Well, I'm telling you, I think it should be down to three. Let's have a debate on that. (laughs)
1: All right, good. I'll come see you Monday when I visit my doctor next door to you.
2: All right. And don't remember next now remember, uh, Captain, next week we've got free rectal exam, so come on over.
1: <laughs> oh, wonderful. Wonderful.
3: <laughs> you won't Listen, see me there, Doc. <laughs> yeah,
1: me need, me need to keep it going, Doc. You're doing a good job. We're all having a good time here. But I'm number three.
3: All right, buddy. Thank you. See you later, Cap.
2: <laughs> so uh you know, many in the founding generation believe that uh, Governments would use soldiers to oppress the people. Now, we really haven't seen that in the United States to any large extent. I mean, there have been some small pockets of this, but uh, overall we've been fairly trusting of our, our soldiers, and our soldiers have been respectful and have tried to obey the Constitution. And uh, But the Founding Fathers came to this because they were being, in their opinion, their their minds, their beliefs, they were being oppressed by the English, and the English were putting soldiers into their homes and into their businesses and uh, stepping on them, especially in Boston, where we had the uh, the rabble rousers, uh, Sam Adams and John Hancock. So can it happen again? Yeah, it can happen again. Is it likely to? Probably not. But will owning assault rifles uh, make a difference? Yeah, of course they will, Ken. You stop and think about it. Uh, if you're a policeman or a National Guardsman and you're told to go arrest Handelman, because he's inciting a, a revolt uh, and, and you know, he has <laughs> a lot of guns and ammo. You're going to think twice about doing that. And especially if you know him, if you say, well, look, I, you know, I see Doc riding his bike down the, down the street here in Gulfport. I'm not going to go over there and get in a gunfight with him. He's not doing anything to me. So I think that there is a, a psychological deterrent. And I also think that if rebellions do happen, if there are civil wars, you can get help from outside just like the ukrainians and the Afghanis that had done are doing uh, with the Russians and guess what the Afghanis beat the Russians they beat them
3: Yeah, they sure did
2: and the ukrainians are holding their own and the military strategists in the West are saying that they don't think that the uh, Russians can can last much longer because they're they're expending all of their military resources
3: well so, I uh, you know I'm not worried about the government trying to Come after us to tell you the truth. I'm more worried about the guy walking down the street. I have two, uh, two single daughters in their twenties, you know, and he, I want them armed.
2: Well, I think that uh, that that's a valid argument, but that's one that has been that's been just within the past sixty to seventy years. Did you know that in the 19th century, uh, the courts uh, were more strict in their interpretation of the Second Amendment and held that you couldn't just own a gun for protection. And that jurisdictions did have the right to step in and say no guns in our city, but those were different times. And now we're we're in another phase where uh, crime rates have gone up, although they're actually going down. The the height of the crime rate of the murder rate uh, was in 1974 when you and I were were young pups doing our thing, because we were a no good, low
3: down, dirty <laughs> rock bunch of I was a juvenile <laughs> delinquent back then. Yeah.
2: Ragamuffins and, and hippies and left-hand turners, and we were all mad about Vietnam or something. I don't know, you know. But but actually, the even though the the absolute numbers are going up, uh, the, the the percentage is not. It's actually gone down over the past fifty, sixty years. And there might have been a little bit of rise in the past couple of years because of uh, various circumstances. But uh, overall, things have uh, been getting better. We just have so many, so many more people. When I was born, there was what 150, 160 million people in the country, and now there's what 340, roughly.
3: So, About, yeah.
2: So, and the murder, you know, the absolute number of murders is probably less than doubled since I was born. So, uh, it, it's 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 a, a tough argument uh, <clears throat> to make that. Guns are a good thing to a lot of people, and they say one death is uh, one death too many. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that you can uh, – are you going to stop death completely? Uh, but we'll, we'll try. You know, we're trying to, just like we did with the – we're doing with this new uh, immunotherapy for rectal cancer, Ken. We don't want to give up trying, but certainly there's going to be some deaths.
3: Well, I worry about my girls, especially the one who decided not to join us down here in Florida when we came down here a few years back. She's still up in Chicago, and I really worry about her.
2: And that's understandable, but, you know, you can't uh, you can't go up there and, and protect her, first of all. She's not going to let you. You can't walk around with with a sidearm and be her yeah.
3: bodyguard. I don't know how you accessorize an assault rifle, but she'll, she could figure it out if she had
2: to. <laughs> you could. There's got to be a way
3: an <laughs> sure. umbrella. designer assault rifles. That's what we need. Doc.
2: Didn't James Bond have an umbrella that was a rifle at one point. I'm sure he did. We, we can figure it
3: out. He we had all do. the
2: coolest stuff. Yeah, the, the debate has been going on since the inception of the, uh, of the, of the Republic and, uh, they disagreed the founding fathers, whether an armed populace could adequately deter federal opposition. Well, uh, if you consider the South as anti-federalist, uh, they certainly did it for four years. And everybody said, you can't win the civil war. Well, actually the kill ratio was three to one for every Southerner that died. Three Northerners died. So, you know, you tell me, uh, who won and who lost. I mean, everybody lost to a certain degree, but uh, certainly the, the, the North bled more than the South. And, and of course, we came out of it stronger. Wars strengthened uh, populations. And it's too bad that, that it is that way, but that's just the nature of the beast. You're not going to change it, not in the near future, not until we can manipulate the genetics more, until we uh, breed out all the stupid genes, and then we'll have to breed out all the aggressive genes. And and of course, we have got to stop all of the uh, the child
3: abuse and neglect. Well, good so, luck on that, Doc. You got something to do for the week. Take care yeah, of all that in the next week, would you? So we can...
2: can. Can you call Congress and see if I can go up there and be on a committee? Uh,
3: hey, a committee
2: I, I'm willing to put you in
3: the White House if that's what you want.
2: Well, I'd love to go there, and but I don't. Joe might be wandering around lost, pooping in his diaper, and I don't want to have to change him. <laughs>
3: Well, well we'll we'll'' we'll move you in we'll move Joe out. How's that sound
2: okay, all right, get him out first, and I'll come in, <laughs> but you know the second Amendment originally applied only to the federal government and then it was expanded as uh the Fourteenth Amendment came in and and states' rights uh and federal rights uh meshed more and more and we had uh, an expansion of the rights of the people to own guns and Ken specifically for what you were saying and in the past 20 to 30 years, the courts have said, yeah, people do have a right to own a gun to protect themselves. They do have that right. And uh, they believe that that was inherent in what the Founding Fathers had intended. And they they made that decision based upon what the Founding Fathers had said and written about the Second Amendment and why they thought it was necessary. So, <clears throat> We've got a big, a big debate going on there, and I uh, don't think it's going to be resolved anytime soon. But it's certainly fascinating to see, and to see how we're we're working our way through it. Okay, uh, so we did a, we, we went through a lot today. You know it. had a good we, show. Yeah, we
3: covered a lot yeah, of topics.
2: Yeah, we you know gun control, the Second Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, abortion. When does life begin? You want to know when life begins? Well, I was at this conference and I was debating with uh with uh one of my Protestant doctor friends and one of my Jewish doctor friends and and I said, you know, I was raised Catholic and so life and it makes sense biologically that life begins at the moment of conception. And uh, my Protestant friend says, no, bill, it, it it's a matter of this baby is a parasite until its uh, umbilical cord is cut and then it's then it's a living human. My Jewish friend says, "Ah, you want to know when life begins? I'll tell you when life begins. When the dog dies and the kids move out, then life begins." <laughs> and, and that's a true story. I would never lie to you guys. <laughs> I know you would. We got about forty-five before. minutes
3: left. You want to talk about the practice at all?
2: Yeah, let's do. You know, we've, we're we're doing everything there. We've got echo, uh, ultrasound. Uh, do uh, vascular studies abdominal ultrasounds i do stress tests uh transesophageal echocardiograms we do general medicine we we cut we sew we slice and we dice we treat medical problems and uh, as you can hear and we are at 727-384-6411 727-384-6411 and we'd love to have you at practice. I'm going to see you guys next week on Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.
0: Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Can Care Clinic